Blog Talk Radio. Wing and a fly ball, deep to left, down the line, could be, going, going, and it is gone for a home run for David Wright. Struck him out swinging. Slider away. Tanaka tonight has struck out 10 and walked one. I mean, that's pretty darn good, huh? Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back once again to Gotham Baseball Live. I'm your host, Mark Healy. I'm the managing editor of Gotham Baseball and GothamBaseball.com, and uh, really uh, excited uh, to bring back the podcast today. We're going to talk to uh, Jerry Amernick. He's the author of the new book, Babe Ruth, A Superstar's Legacy. And uh, we're excited because if you've ever listened to Gotham Baseball, if you've ever read our magazine, if you ever checked out our website, you know how much Babe Ruth means to uh, Gotham Baseball. And, and certainly uh, whenever we get the opportunity to speak to a new author who's written a new book about the Babe, uh, we really enjoy having him on the program. So without further ado, Jerry, uh, you're talking with um, Mark Healy here on the show. And uh, welcome, welcome to Gotham Baseball. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, Jerry, you know, um, I'm always, I'm a baseball book guy. So when I hear mm-hmm. about, you know, any kind of book that's coming out, you know, I'm always, I'm always curious right away to see, you know, what, what that particular book is going to be about. Because, you know, so many books have been written about Babe. Um, you know, you're always looking for something different. So what was your, when you decided to write this book, which is really about the legacy, uh, as you say in in, in the title, really about his impact, um, you know, as a player, what was, what was your, I guess, your inspiration to write the book? Well, first of all, um, I've been really researching Babe Ruth for quite a few years. Uh, I write both uh, fiction and nonfiction books. And uh, it was my first novel called Gift of the Bambino, which was published in 2004. And it's a work of fiction. And it's a a story about a boy and his grandfather and how they're bound by baseball and Babe Ruth. And it gets into the time of Ruth in the earlier 1900s. So even though that was a work of fiction, I got really intrigued with researching Babe Ruth. And uh, it was a couple years later I met uh, Tom Stevens, who was Babe Ruth's grandson. He is the son of Julia Ruth Stevens, Babe Ruth's daughter, who recently turned 102. And I got to know the family, especially Tom, and um, I, you know, I suggested to him, I said, you know, so many books have been written about Babe Ruth, but no one has ever really done a book about the legacy of Babe Ruth. There have been many biographies and, uh, well, other works of fiction, of course, picture books, uh, I mean, all types of books, but no one's ever done this kind of book. So eventually push came to shove and I wrote the book and, and Tom Stevens wrote the foreword to it. And um so this is a book that obviously gets a lot into baseball and sport, but it also goes far beyond sport. It gets into the impact that Ruth has had in terms of history, culture, the arts, business, business branding, marketing, um, and also his impact in other countries. So I think in that sense, Babe Ruth is a real unique phenomenon. Uh, certainly no other baseball player has had the impact he, he has had. And I think you can maybe argue that no other American athlete has had the impact that he has had. So that's really what inspired me to do the book. When, when I 
you know, used to do a, I used to do a, a live podcast from Mickey Mantle's restaurant. And, you know, one year we did a special folks. I think, you know, Tim Reed was involved. Bill Jenkinson was involved folks that, you know, uh, hold Bay Booth yeah. uh, very close and dear to their hearts. Yeah. Uh, Bill, of course, you know, one of my favorite uh, authors as well uh, and the stuff that he's done. And basically what we did was we did a three hour show all about the babe. And it was mm-hmm. all about just what you've written about all these different things that, that people have no clue about the stuff and the impact that Babe had, not just during his playing career, but after he died, the things that even as he was dying, some of the things that he chose to do, whether it was scientific research, you know, allowing doctors to, you know, kind of use his body as a guinea pig to test different drugs or, you know, things like that. So, so you get into some of this stuff in the book. Yes. Oh, in a very big way, in a very big way. In fact, um, you know, the introduction to the book um, I use a little personal anecdote I had, and, and it goes back to the 90s when I was actually doing research for the novel I mentioned, Gift of the Bambino. And I was at this uh, organization. Uh, I was researching this organization for my novel because I wanted to put them in the book. So to make a long story short, there were all these old-timers in the room who used to belong to this. It was a baseball organization. And this is in the 90s, so we're going back quite a while, and, and these were all, you know, older gentlemen. I sat down beside a guy, not knowing who he was, and uh, he wondered, you know, what's a young guy like you doing here? And I said, I'm doing research on a book. What's your book about? I said, it's about baseball and Babe Ruth. He says, oh, he says, I knew Babe Ruth. Well, just by chance, I sat down beside this guy named Goody Rosen, who was an all-star uh, player with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 40s. And this is just by chance. And in 1938, he was a rookie with uh, with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and that was the year the Dodgers brought Babe Ruth out of retirement to be their first base coach. So this guy knew him intimately, and he said, in fact, he had the locker next to Ruth in the team dressing room. So talk about you know chance. And he was telling me all these stories, but when you know he eventually told me that uh, yeah, he, he did a lot of uh, you know he was a rabble rouser, yeah, for sure, and all this kind of stuff. But he said he was a really wonderful person and, you know, heart of gold kind of guy. And and all the people I've talked to over the years, basically people who knew him and, and people who maybe were involved with the Yankees, who knew people who knew him, it's the same story I get from everybody. So the book the book gets into that. It gets into the philanthropy that Ruth was involved in. I mean, you know, he was the first athlete to have a trainer. He was the first athlete to have a an agent. He was the first philanthropist athlete. And in the, in the state of Florida alone, if you talk to people like Tim Reed, he would probably tell you about this. The state of Florida alone, you know, he supported up to 70 different charities, including after he retired, by the way. And the Red Sox and the Yankees, you know, had, they had their spring training in Florida, and he was very much involved in that. And he, uh, I don't really think he gets credit for all the things he, that that he did in that regard. He, he was a real, I think, a patriot and and a real humanitarian. One of the odd things that have come up over the years about the babe um, was this, and I think it has more to do with when Aaron was going after his record and yeah. a lot of the racism that came out of the yeah. woodwork, uh, and it was almost as if people. It, it was almost as if people equated racism uh, with, with Babe Ruth instead of realizing that, you know, Babe 
not only was one of the first superstars, if not the first superstar, to barnstorm uh, with the Negro Leaguers, he he also yep. would play. Uh, he also played exhibitions against Negro Leaguers in places like Kansas, where which were strongholds of the Ku Klux Klan. So I, yeah, one of the things I liked about your book is that it really puts a lot of stuff like that uh, that's been written about erroneously over the years. Uh, really puts a lot of that stuff to rest. And, and do you feel a responsibility as someone who is chronicling uh, Babe Ruth to set a lot of these like myths straight? Well, you know, I've heard it said by in, in some circles where uh, you know Babe Ruth wasn't as great as as he's uh, said to be because he never played against the the best black players. And it's true he didn't in in official league games, but you know he was barnstorming against the old Negro leagues and Latino players as early as 1918 when he was with the Red Sox, and he and he did that throughout his career. He played hundreds of games against these players, much to the chagrin of Major League Baseball, by the way. And, um, you know, it was his daughter, Julio, who first told me this, and, and also Tom, the grandson, that, you know, the reason he may not have been hired to be a manager is because he would have advocated the hiring of black ball players. never mind the fact he may also have advised players to ask for more money. So Bill Jenkinson, whom you mentioned, he's done a lot of research into this, probably more than anybody. And, um, you know, I've spoken to Bill countless times and, and include him in, in my book. And, I, and we went into that story in a big way. And that could very well be the reason he never did become a manager because, I mean, he was obviously the biggest name in baseball. Um, anyone who's researched Babe Ruth knows the guy was a baseball genius. Uh, he was. So, you know, how come he never became a manager? I think maybe, you know, we've got a good reason here as to why it never happened. But there's a lot about Babe Ruth that people don't know about. They don't know that, you know, during uh, World War II, uh, he put his name to a full-page ad in the New York Times and other newspapers. Uh, Americans of German ancestry, of which he was, uh, putting their names on an ad uh, condemning uh, Nazi Germany's persecution of European Jews. He put his name on that list, and he was the biggest name on the list. And uh, he did all kinds of stuff like that and, and supported you know, charities ad infinitum. Uh, Julia, the daughter, I spent an afternoon with her at her home when she was living in New Hampshire. It was a memorable afternoon, by the way. And she said, you know, for every visit he made to a hospital or an orphanage or a place like that that was reported in the media, there were 50 that weren't reported in the media. So um, that's the kind of guy he was. And, and I think uh, I don't think we've really seen the like of, of Babe Ruth since then. You know, you mentioned in the book of how, you know, the, the, the babe, and, and I think there's even been books written about it, about his trip to yeah. Japan. Uh, yeah. And one of those, one of those, um, one of those books that, that I've read, or at least, uh, you know, have gone through and have talked about with other people, uh, that he was beloved in Japan. They went crazy uh, for the babe yeah. when, he, when he visited because he, he was so popular around the world. Uh, and then just to go back to what you talked about is patriotism, that when the, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, uh, you wrote in your book that he got rid of every single yeah. one of those gifts that he was yeah. given uh, he threw, during he his trip. He threw them out the window. Yeah, he literally threw them out the window. He was so ticked off. But, you know, Julia told me about this. And, and incidentally, you know, the book, uh, Babe Ruth, A Superstar's Legacy, is available on Amazon and at my website, baberuthlegacy.com. And on that website, 
we've got a number of interviews with people who were interviewed for the book, including one with Julia. And it was, you know, from a few years ago. She was maybe in her mid-90s, but, you know, as sharp as a tack. And she told me stories about that and, and also about the, the 34, 1934 tour. She was on the tour with her mother and with Babe Ruth. She was 18. And she told me what it was like. And, I, you know, I asked her, I said, well, how was he regarded by the, the Japanese? And she said, like he was a god. And it, when they were in Tokyo, they had a parade, and there was over half a million people on the streets. So one of the people I interviewed um, in, in the chapter in the book that's called The Babe Ruth Effect is Reazo Kato, who used to be the Japanese ambassador to the United States. And after he left public life, he became the commissioner of Nippon Professional Baseball, which is the big leagues in Japan. And he, he coined that term for me, the Babe Ruth effect, so I took it. And he talked about the impact Ruth had not only on Japanese baseball, but on Japanese culture. And um, and it has persisted. So, uh, And it's not only in Japan. I mean, it's many other countries throughout North America, you know, the Caribbean, uh, other countries in the Far East. Uh, Tom Stevens, the grandson who wrote the foreword, is an engineer, and he's worked all over the world, including in the Middle East. And he's told me he's gone into places like he'd go into a, you know, a bar in Thailand, and there's a picture of Babe Ruth on the wall, and, and he sees this kind of stuff everywhere. So it's really amazing. You know, one of the things that you talk about uh, in the book uh, is yeah. the, um, the the meeting between uh, the Black Babe Ruth's grandson Josh Gibson yeah, uh, yeah. and Brent Stevens, and and yeah. the painting uh, that that yeah. I've actually seen that painting before. Uh, that's a mm-hmm. great chapter. That must have been a lot of fun to write. Well, I I, I didn't know about that until uh, Brent Stevens is Tom Stevens' son, which makes him the great grandson of Babe Ruth. And he was at the the wedding of a friend, and at the wedding was um, uh, Sean Gibson, the great-grandson of Josh Gibson, you know, the great uh, black ball player who never got a chance to play in Major League Baseball because of segregation. The guy hit over 800 home runs. And um, they became friends, and they commissioned this painting. And I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And they commissioned this painting of Babe Ruth, and Josh Gibson, who never appeared together on a on a field, by the way, each wearing their you know team uniform, and um, it's a great painting. And they they made uh, prints of this, and uh, the proceeds went to um, the Babe Ruth League, which is a non for profit organization, which I also write about in the book, and the Josh Gibson Foundation, which is for uh, kids in Pittsburgh. So I I think it's a great story, and and I think it's it's emblematic of if the kind of guy that Babe Ruth was. I mean, you know, he was no advocate of segregation. You can argue that if he did the barnstorming all throughout his career, and again, much to the chagrin of Major League Baseball, he was fine for doing this. If the biggest star in the game was doing that, how come baseball wasn't doing it? I mean, that's a good question to ask. So I, I think it's a, it's a big element of the Babe Ruth phenomenon. You know, like Elvis Presley, um, who I'm yep. also a huge fan of, uh, you know, they died on the, the same the, day, August 16th. Yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. And, uh, of course that's going to be tomorrow. People are listening live. Maybe we'll, yeah. we'll save the, we'll, we'll tell everybody to download this interview tomorrow, but, um, <laughs> much like Elvis, much like Elvis, uh, you know, the, the rumors of being overweight have always been, um, overrated, and exaggerated to the point where 
you know, when you see the film uh, Babe Ruth with John Goodman, although there yeah. were moments in that film that I thought, although there were moments in that film that I thought uh, John did great uh, homework as an actor uh, mm-hmm. by, you know, the scene where he tells the Boston Braves manager, you know, some of the, some of the strategy or some of, some of the mm-hmm. moments where, you know, he actually must have read Creamer's book about the babe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Babe Ruth was not 400 pounds when he was in Boston. He was not, you know, no. he, when, he, when he came to, you know, when he came to the Yankees, he was, you know, the best athlete, you know, in the game. So like Elvis, um, the impact of the babe has been so significant after his death that he probably makes as much money, if not more, now than he ever did when he was alive. And you read well, no, you write about that uh, significantly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very, very true. And, and what you say about the way he's portrayed, I remember once seeing, I think it was a TV film about Babe Ruth, and it starts when he's a kid at St. Mary's Industrial School in Baltimore. And they have a, you know, a chubby, overweight kid playing the young Babe Ruth, which is totally ridiculous. You know, I mean, the guy was 6'2", I think 190 pounds when he came up to the majors. And, of course, he was a pitcher. I mean, he's, he was so good, he would have made the Hall of Fame as a pitcher, which I think a lot of people maybe not are aware of. So the guy was a super athlete with, with eye-hand coordination that was off the charts. I mean, he was even scientifically studied for this during his time. And, and I tell you, it was off the charts. Yeah, you don't hit 714 home runs lead the American League 12 times in home runs. Nobody's come close to that. And out-homer teams, not other players, but out-homer teams routinely year by year without being a superb athlete. And he was. And he was even, you know, an excellent runner and fielder and, you know, kind of guy who would never miss the cutoff man. Another thing that's interesting about Ruth that people don't know is that he actually tore up his knee when he was playing with the Red Sox and never had it repaired until after he retired. The guy played his entire career with the Yankees on a bad knee. So, I mean, just think about it. You know, if they had arthroscopic surgery, maybe he would have had a good career. <laughs> so, right, um, right. The, guy, the, guy, <laughs> the guy is quite a phenomenon, and, and I don't think he gets credit for it as the, as the athlete that he was, uh, but he certainly doesn't get credit for the kind of person that he was, and, and the book tries to get into that in a big way. Well, I, I think that's one of the reasons I appreciated it because it's it's not just a, a historical, you know, biography or or you know, it yeah, really it's not is a biography. It, it, it's not. It, it really talks about, uh, you know, just just what the title is. It's one of the few books that actually follow the title. It is a super story. It is about the legacy yep. uh, and yep. what and what he left behind. And I think that, uh, you know, folks that really want to investigate this kind of thing, especially from the memorabilia standpoint. You know, I worked in the memorabilia uh, business for a little bit myself. I used to work with a company called Leland's and, you know, I, I I got to know, I got to know a lot of the people. Josh Evans was a, is a friend. Um, I got to know a lot of the people in the industry and, you know, Oh, absolutely. Sure. I know him. Uh, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, Jerry, you know, one one of the great things about the game of baseball, probably more than any other sport, and and really, it's it's one of its treasures, is that mm-hmm. the celebration of history, the the understanding of where the game came from, and and the respect mm-hmm. that real baseball fans have for players like Ruth, 
the memorabilia yep. uh, business, although it can be flawed, although it can be certainly not perfect, um, they're very interesting to talk to when it comes to uh, the value of roof uh, across the board, no? Absolutely. And as one of the executives, Joe Orlando, uh, who's mentioned in the book, uh, one of the top executives in that industry, he, he said there are two categories in this business. There's Babe Ruth and then there is everyone else. And and it's true. Um, you know, Mike Hefner of Leland, he's the guy who bought for his client 2012 the Ruth 1920s Yankee jersey that sold for $4.4 million at an auction, which is still a Guinness World Record for an item of sports memorabilia. And, in fact, I just saw Mike Hefner last week at the National Sports Collectors Convention. It was in Cleveland, where there was stuff about Ruth all over the place, by the way. But last year when I was you know, writing the book, um, I called him up again and said, how much would that Ruth jersey be worth today? It sold for $4.4 million in 2012. And he said, he said, you never know until it goes up for auction. But he wouldn't be surprised if it would fetch over $10 million today. And, you wow. know, uh, there's a couple chapters in the book that, you know, gets into the sports memorabilia a business, which today is a billion-dollar industry. Billion-dollar, that's how big it is. And every list you go on, you know, um, SCP Auctions, which just yesterday sold a baseball signed by the original Hall of Famers for, what, $600,000, new record. Um, I, something like seven of the uh, – or, sorry, five of the top nine items they've ever sold are Babe Ruth items. Uh, and when I was doing, you know, my book, uh, I looked at the nine most valuable items of sports memorabilia ever sold by any organization for any athlete in the world, for any sport in the world. And five of the top nine items are Babe Ruth items. So it's true. There's Babe Ruth and there's everyone else. And, you know, in, in some circles you could argue that investing in Babe Ruth is better than the stock market or gold. So, and it's not just the baseball. It's it's also the kind of person that he was. So, uh, you can take other guys that broke the home run records, and you know, they're, the balls they hit are certainly worth some money. But there's no comparison. You know, there, no one talks about a Bonzian home run, or even Hank Aaron, who was a great player and always a great gentleman. I've never heard him talked about an Aaronian home run, but there's Ruthian home runs. And and Ruth, um, I think, stands alone. He stands alone as a player, and and I think with his personality, and also as I say, you know, the humanitarian side of the guy, and and the fact that he was so idolized by people, uh, all types of people, all ethnic groups, you name it. I, I don't think anyone comes close. In closing, you know, this is something I'm, I'm in the process, actually, of investigating myself. But, I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I might as well ask you because it would yeah. be great to have a quote from you on this. Um, yeah. I, I, I look forward. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I look forward to the director, the producer, the, 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 the idea person that finds the perfect person to play Babe Ruth and does the yeah. definitive Babe Ruth film. <laughs> You know, yeah. really, because when you think about it, um, Stephen Lang uh, played the babe on in a, in a TV movie. Yeah, uh, I know it. Yeah. You know, in, in, and and I, I I still think at the end of the day, even though they they put some gruesome makeup on him, I, I really yeah. felt that he was a he came the closest to maybe capturing um, as an actor who who played Ruth. But I think at the end of the day, if you told me I had to put money on the best Babe Ruth 
uh, mm-hmm. performance, and I, w- I wanted to get your take on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't called Babe Ruth. He was called the Whammer. But mm-hmm. the, Joe Don Baker played the Whammer in The Natural, and I thought that he yeah, captured the Babe uh, in, a, in, a, in a really great way. I don't know. Do you remember the movie? Yeah, I do. I like the movie, and I also like the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really feel that you know, at the end of the day, if you if you're going to say, okay, this guy played Babe Ruth the best, I really think that he yeah. really captured, well, even uh, though he's not. I mean, I know that's who he's supposed to be. I mean, I know yeah. that. Well, you know, I, I have to think about written. who would be the best person, but uh, certainly William Bendix and John Goodman are not at the top of the list because I mean no. they're not athletes, you know. And no. and not I only say that, but the Ruth, movies were terrible. Yeah, they they were they were terrible, absolutely. And in fact, Julia, uh, Babe's daughter, told me that her favorite movie, baseball movie involving her daddy, is The Sandlot about the kids playing baseball, which I think is also right. a really good right. movie. I really enjoyed it. Right. But it, it's amazing. Absolutely. Babe Ruth had this life that uh, it's it's hard to believe the life that he led, but it's true. It's it's almost like a myth, the kind of life that he led, you know. And and of course he died quite young and and came from nothing. And it's amazing that a movie has not been made about this guy. Um, I mean I mean a good you know movie that accurately portrays him. And it, it, it's just amazing to me that it hasn't been done. Uh, because I mean the story. I mean you could not write a better story than the life of Babe Ruth. So the movie hasn't been done, and and maybe someday it will be. And I hope they do him justice. Yeah, my dog is excited. He wants. To, I don't know if you heard him, but he, he's excited. He wants to see the movie too. Uh, Babe Ruth, a superstar's legacy. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much uh, for being part of the show today. And uh, tell people where they can uh, purchase the book and learn more about uh, sure. Babe Ruth, a superstar's legacy. Yeah, it's available on Amazon, and, and if you go to my site, which is baberuthlegacy.com, uh, you can get the book there as well. And, and there's a lot of information on the site, by the way, as well, uh, especially the Babe Ruth Legacy interviews, where we talk to all kinds of people, uh, including you know beyond baseball, who are involved uh, in, in, in Ruth in one way or another with the Babe Ruth League, um, the exhibit at the Smithsonian in Washington last year, uh, which was put together by a historian, you know, nothing to do with baseball. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about Ruth that goes beyond sport that makes him a real unique phenomenon. Well, really, I really appreciate you making the time uh, to be with us today, Jerry. And uh, the best of luck with the book, and we look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay, Mark. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. And, again, that was uh, Jerry Amernick, uh, really excited he was able to be part of the show today. And, um, you know, it was great to be back with Gotham Baseball Live. And we'll be trying to do this a little bit more. I know I always say that when I sign off on Gotham Baseball Live. But uh, I love, uh, love the show. I love uh, interacting with the fans and uh, look, look for a lot of news coming out about Gotham Baseball. Uh, at least I can announce, uh, as we have on, on the website and, and on some other shows, that uh, the Gotham Baseball book, the first ever, my first ever book, and of course the first book ever written about Gotham Baseball, uh, is coming out in spring of 2019, if I finish it. <laughs> uh, the book is uh, it's a real exciting process. There's going to be a lot of great stuff in there. There's uh, going to be a chapter on Babe Ruth, of course, and uh, uh, Arcadia Publishing, the History Press, is publishing it. So we're really excited about the process, and there's so many exciting things uh, about this book that uh, we can't share yet, but we will 
down the road. So keep it tuned here as well as at GothamBaseball.com. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you next time here on Gotham Baseball.